Hello everyone, welcome back to Momentum Podcast. Today we are having an MMA coach, Vishal Segal over here. We met for the first time in an MMA event in Delhi and uh, I had a good time talking to him. Very interesting personality, very interesting life journey. He is essentially an MMA coach, has a lot of professional fighters training under him, but he also is a referee on, on professional level. He's also a certified judge. Is that correct? Because I just read that off your Instagram. But are yes. you a judge as well? Okay. Yes. And matter of fact, you were a referee last night itself, right? For an event. Yes, there was an event and um, I mm-hmm. filled in for somebody. So I was a referee. Okay. How was the event? How was your evening Sunday? It was great. Exciting. Got to ref some fights. Got to watch some, you know, mm-hmm. good fights. So. It's Being a referee seat. is the best seat, right? To, to watch a fight that's the closest. Yes, yes. It is, right? uh, but uh, literally you're running around pretty much. So mm-hmm. it is yeah. It is also a very pivotal role, right? You can make or break a fighter or you can essentially decide a fight, the outcome of a fight. Does that put a lot of pressure onto you? Yes, it. I mean, you know, um, it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of get used to it, but you know mm-hmm. you always have to be on your toes, and mm-hmm. uh, because you got to make a decision at the bl- a blink of the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is very important uh, to be kind of uh, you know be in there and be very thorough with uh, mm-hmm. you know what you're doing. So, is there a referee decision that you made that you regret? Uh, touch wood. As of now, no. No. no? It is yeah. it is problem because you can actually give extra brain damage to the fighter. Sometimes the fight is not supposed to be stopped and you stopped it and yeah. then you made a fighter lose. But thankfully so far, so good, right, for you? Absolutely. I will see, you got to see that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when it's at, a, it's at an amateur level, mm-hmm. um, you got to kind of protect the fighter a little bit more. Um, mm. And it's very important that uh, they take minimal damage. Mm-hmm. It also depends, you know, where you are in the fight. Is it the mm-hmm. beginning of the fight? Is it the end? Is it the end of the round? How bad is the damage? What is going on? There's a lot of times, you know, a ref would stop a fight 10 seconds before the end of the round. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not the last round of the fight. Yeah. But it is required because, uh, you know, the athlete has taken already, you know, unanswered shots or whatever the case may be. Maybe there's a big gash. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there could be many reasons to it. could be a dislocation. Mm-hmm. You know, could be a snap of the mm-hmm. snap of the bone or something along the lines, which requires which requires a stop. And a referee's job is not uh, easy at all. Oh you no! Know, sometimes, uh, you know, I'm sure you know we let uh, you know we think that the athlete is fine and the athlete is taking shots, which may not be essentially good for them. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, but their expression is such that we think they're fine. Same goes mm-hmm. a lot of times. You know, people go to sleep in a submission, and it's difficult for the referee to catch it. Oh yeah, and maybe yeah. It's a few seconds after, you know. Mm-hmm. And same with hyperextensions or dislocations mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not uh, definitely not an easy easy thing to do. Uh, but you know, with every with every fight, with every tournament, with every event, uh, you know, judges and referees. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we keep learning like the athletes too. So, you know, yeah. uh, we try our best to be fair. We try our best to make sure uh, mm-hmm. you know, the athlete's safety is paramount. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, 
we try to do our best you know? oh yeah it's it would be super super difficult to understand if that is a knockout or just a knockdown from which a fighter is going to get up and uh, like you said like fraction mm-hmm. of second and when the crowd is cheering it's an intense moment obviously it's the most intense moment that you can be in two people trying to knock each other out what can be more intense than that so before like uh, before starting this podcast i was writing few questions and the first question i wrote was uh, how do you manage the difficult job of being a referee and then the next thing i wrote is how do you manage the difficult job of being a coach <laughs> and then i wrote how do you manage the difficult job of being a judge because that's extremely difficult as well and then i thought is there anything related to mma which is not difficult starting from the fighters job itself to the promoters super difficult from them for them as well is a very developing sport right uh one question that i was having is that it's okay we understand that someone is tapping out let us say it's an arm bar and someone tapped out but what if it got like broken okay and nobody tapped out like you can think about that moment where misha tate's arm was super hyper extended it was a weird maybe you remember i against ronda rousey itself and uh, what do you do if the arm is broken and the fighter does not tap out where does the fight go after that see uh, at, uh let me start with the amateur level uh, mm-hmm. we, you know we keep a very close eye we see how mm-hmm. bad uh the hyperextension if it is getting to that point and mm-hmm. sometimes in the amateur level fighters won't mm-hmm. if it's a tournament style we'll definitely step in if we think uh, there is going to be a dislocation mm-hmm. um, if there is a vincing expression on the athlete's face mm-hmm. uh, where we think they're in danger of getting injured uh, you know uh, because a snap uh, for a snap of a forearm or a dislocation of the elbow or shoulder is never good in fact we had one yesterday oh okay and uh, mm-hmm. uh, it it is very different for now for, for pro athletes because they have had you know a lot of experience uh, mm-hmm. you know we definitely we have to we are there we keeping a close eye uh, there is two types either they tap out it breaks or you know they shut out which is a verbal submission which is a verbal tap Mm-hmm. so uh we have to keep a very close eye now in case of uh, there's a lot of times you know you uh, some people get stuck in a kimura and if you don't tap out in time your you know your joint pops out and mm-hmm. it's happened a lot of time at international uh, amateur international asian and world championships where the athlete will not tap out and it mm-hmm. only takes like a fraction of a second for it to pop yeah and, yeah uh, unfortunately you cannot catch it sometimes uh, you know the athletes are um they try to get out of it you know um, they're too uh, headstrong for their own good so to speak right mm-hmm. but yeah. um, it's one of those things uh, you know if they're stuck you you know we always ask them are you okay give me some kind of a yeah yeah signal that you're okay yeah correct mm-hmm. depending on what submission they are in if they are clasping their hands trying to mm-hmm. save themselves from an armbar mm-hmm. i would just look at their eyes and say just tell me you're okay they'll be like yeah they're okay i mean we definitely don't want them giving me a thumbs up at that <laughs> yeah. point in time. yeah that would not be good for them but yeah. you know uh, some certain submissions yeah they can they can you know give a thumbs up or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. so it's it's one of those things like in case of misha I think the arm did go in a very weird position. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would like, say 120 uh, degree or so. It was on the opposite yeah. side. Yeah. 
So it is uh, even in Pride Fighting Championship, uh, Sakuraba. Mm-hmm. Uh, he popped out one of the Gracie's arm. Uh, mm. Which one was Gracie it? Hunter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Uh, it's not. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the cousins who has a who has a mm-hmm. who teaches out of New New Jersey or New York. One of the two. I'm, I don't know. I'm, his name is escaping my head right now. Okay. But uh, same thing. I think he had him in a kimura, mm-hmm. and he popped out, and neither of them knew what happened. And then mm-hmm. he's looking at the ref, and the ref is looking down. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so. So it's uh, mm-hmm. it's a very, I mean, we certainly don't want it to happen, especially a lot of times, let's say you're in an electric chair, right? Mm-hmm. And you move the wrong way. And mm-hmm. uh, then uh, you don't, you move the wrong way, you're going to pop uh, your ligament. You know, mm-hmm. it could be a grade one, grade two, grade three, you don't know. Yeah. So it, and it's happened, it's happened. So mm-hmm. it's very unfortunate, but it's a part of the game. Uh, yeah. But once again, like I said, refs will, you know, uh, depending on where you are in your journey, are you an amateur you know, mm-hmm. how bad it is, how bad is the hyperextension, let's say it's an armbar, mm-hmm. or if you're in uh, some sort of danger where the ref thinks, then they'll stop it. In terms mm-hmm. of pro, you got to tap out, it snaps, or it's a verbal submission, right? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one verbal submission that I remember was Anthony Pettis against, what was his name? He won the heavyweight, he used to have a toothpick in his mouth, uh, Anthony Pettis versus... Uh, come here. Come here. No, no, no. He actually once defeated him in WBC, the last fight of WBC. K, K jump kick. Do you remember? Anthony Pettis jumped off the cage. Oh, uh, Anthony Pettis. I apologize. Yeah, I yeah, apologize. yeah. I was thinking Anthony Johnson. No. Um, Who was that guy? Some, I'll say, I'm sorry, could you repeat that? So somebody got him in a submission. I no, he got uh, him into a submission. So the same oh, guy, yeah, 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 he yeah, jumped yeah, off yeah, the yeah. cage and kicked him right. and, and he got knocked. The, the showtime mm-hmm. kick yes, yes. Yeah, yeah yeah the guy with the long hair he's uh half black half korean I, his name escapes me yeah how can i forget his name but anyways when yeah. you needed the most so he verbally tapped out uh but this question yes. the question uh that came into my mind because i was watching this movie warrior have you checked it out starring tom hardy uh, it's back in 2008. Brothers, or so. uh, Brothers is a copy of that movie, correct? No, no, the, correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. yes I do. Yeah. So, so in the original time. original movie, in the final fight, in some round, uh, he got into a submission and yeah, dislocated his shoulder. And the fight mm-hmm. continued to next round. So I thought that how is this fight not over right here? Because one joint is broken or yeah, uh, incapa- incapacitated, right? So, so the fight does not stop if the fighter does not tap, right? Even if there's a broken arm or something. No, the in, in reality, if the referee oh, okay. is it, the uh-huh. fight will stop. Oh, so that that's a movie stop. bullshit? That's a movie. That, <laughs> okay. It's, that's a movie, yeah. That's yeah, yeah because, because that's something that I've never seen in any professional fight, but I saw it in the movie and yeah. like, oh, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, that that is totally fictional. Mm-hmm. It it would never uh, mm-hmm. referee would never. I mean, there is no there is no if uh, somebody gets injured, there is no timeouts in MMA. It's not uh, yeah. It's not striking. Where, okay. You, know, you get a count. It's if you cannot if you are incapacitated, you have mm-hmm. your uh, yeah. You know your fights over. You cannot the fight even over. in a professional fight. Amateur yeah. or pro it does not matter. And while we are at it, I remember the name of the fighter. It was Benson Henderson. The guy, Benson yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So mm-hmm. since we are in the whole referee thing, let me just clean it out. 
Yeah. What kind of training did you take to be a referee? So initially, I was in the US. Uh, I mm-hmm. did I did a few courses with the uh, Association of Boxing Commissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one that uh, authorizes uh, unified rules for MMA as well. And way back okay. in the day when I did it was 2010, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, at that time, that was the only body that was doing both boxing and MMA. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was also with the athletic commission, I was working as a, as a we call them. I think uh, I don't know what we call them here, but uh, we call them boxing officers or boxing officials. That's what mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, so after you know a few years of doing that, we did certification for being, uh, you know, officials like in the capacity of a judge and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I did. That's where I started. Uh, mm-hmm. Before that, I'd done it for, I'd done it uh, domestically in India. I started, the first time I left, I think I was 16 and a half or 17. That young? And yes, yes. Oh, okay. What kind of, what kind of um, tournament was I it? I did, I started, uh, I started uh, with Taekwondo. Oh, okay. Then I went on to kickboxing. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I moved to the US and then, mm-hmm. you know, um, I got into it uh, because there was a MMA team right close to my house, mm-hmm. a couple of miles away. So that's that's how I started training. That's how I got into the commission. That's how I, you know, got certified. Beyond that, and then uh, recently, I got certified by uh, Global Association of Mixed Martial Arts in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. We had gone for a world championship. So oh yeah, for that by the national body. Yeah, the one in which Gagan was also fighting, right? Recent one. Correct. Yes. yes okay. Yes, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, how how did you move to US? Which year was it? So I, I went there. I think in end of twenty two thousand. Oh, excuse me, nineteen ninety four. Oh damn! You stayed over there for over fifteen years, right? Uh, collectively, yes. So so. Why was the move? Did you go over there professionally or to I, compete? I uh, no, I had gone there for higher education. Oh, is it? Uh, All right. What yes. what were you studying? Uh, uh, business management. Oh, okay, okay. But uh, right. my heart has always been in even in school. My heart has always been in mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, combat sports. So yeah. studies was never my thing. But uh, you know. Even mm-hmm. then, I in fact I started watching the UFC in two thousand four, two thousand five. Oh, excuse me, nineteen. I keep saying two thousand four, nineteen ninety four, nineteen ninety five. Yeah, yeah. ninety ninety three or ninety four was when it all started. First UFC, right? So you caught pretty early, like yeah. UFC five or six, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe back when Royce Gracie was still yeah. fighting, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that is actually something that happened. So when I was in Bangalore, I used to train in Realm. And uh, there were a lot of people who were very serious with Jiu-Jitsu. And a couple of my friends actually got into a master's in, in anything like mathematics or anything just to train in US in Jiu-Jitsu. That's it, because there was so much into <laughs> yeah, Jiu-Jitsu. They just took a whole course so that they can train on the side. So I can get you. So did you complete your master's? In business management? No, I did not. I <laughs> did not. So what did you do? You started I fighting? I competed uh, in MMA. I only did three amateur fights. Okay. Uh, I actually started working. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was training part-time. I was working. 
and uh, but at that time I had not uh, I when I went there it was 90 like I said 94 95 mm-hmm. I started MMA in 2000 until then it was all kickboxing and ATA and ITF taekwondo oh, okay yeah. uh, a little bit of uh, there was at that time there was a little bit of grappling that had started because mm-hmm. uh, pre-UFC, there was uh, extreme fighting. And in before, uh, it was called MMA. It was called NHP. Oh, is it? Uh, I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, those mm-hmm. were the, yeah. so those were the days we, uh, I think, 90, there was a lot of, there was a lot of uh, events. In Brazil, they used to go as valetudo, which means mm. anything goes. And they had minimal rules. They literally had minimal rules. You could kick punch the groin. You could... Mm-hmm. Pull the hair, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So on so forth. So everything was there. The only thing I think you couldn't do is eye gouge. But there was some um, some mm. promotions in Japan that used to actually uh, allow it. Goto or something was this guy's name. I think he fought in this in the first three or one of the first three or two. Yeah, Gordo. I think he was in the first one. The kickboxer. Yeah. Yes, the uh, he was European. I don't know exactly what. I think French maybe. Uh-huh. I, I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But uh, yeah, he fought he, Royce Gracie. Royce Gracie in one of the fights. Yes, yeah, he got submitted. Yeah, he got submitted. Oh, that was yeah. the finals actually. Finals of UFC Correct. one. Got yeah. Sub- yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. He fought a Japanese guy and he scratched his eye. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Those are the days. Uh, you know mm-hmm. that is why the politicians in the U.S. weren't allowing it because they called it human cockfighting. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then they 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 did regulation. They needed rules, and then mm-hmm. Big John McCarthy is the first one to you know, yeah, uh, make those rules. Initially in the UFC, I think the ref couldn't stop the fight unless the guy was knocked out, submitted, mm-hmm. or the corner threw in the towel. Yeah, those are the yeah. only three ways. The ref couldn't step in to save the fight mm-hmm. unless the fighter asked for it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, so those rules were actually very. Uh, were, yeah, I mean, there were no rules. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, also remember one rules. guy just punching the balls of other guy continuously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Keith Hackney, a karate guy, versus Joe Son. Uh, Joe yeah, Son yeah. is the guy who went to jail uh, for you know somersaults and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that very clearly. Yes. Yeah, and no uniforms as well. You can be with shoes. Nothing. You can you be could, without shoes. Yeah. yeah. Be with shoes. One glove on. Oh yeah. And, Mm-hmm. Uh, judo gi, whatever you want. So yeah, and there yeah, was no yeah. weight classes. No what? No weight classes. Oh yeah, no weight oh, classes. Yeah, yeah, that's an important yeah. point, right? Yeah, that's yeah, how like Hoy's Gracie fought Ken Sham- Shamrock, right? He was completely different correct, weight class. Correct, yeah, correct, yeah. Correct, yeah, correct. yeah, yeah. Hopefully those days will never come back. <laughs> Honestly, that was that was less yeah. of technique. Like you won't see proper technique was... over there. Yeah. Yes. So, but see, initially when uh, NH or at least UFC was started by the Gracies, mm-hmm. it was <clears throat> style versus style. Yeah, yeah, never, yeah, yeah. They never intended uh, it to be where people start cross training mm-hmm. and then, you know, uh, compete, which is modern day MMA. Uh, so it was good. I mean, you came to know the reality, but it was still, you mm-hmm. know, it was very brutal. It was yeah, yeah, super. No wonder it wasn't regulated for quite some time. Mm-hmm. But when people started realizing that it's not just you know uh, crazy people fighting, it takes mm-hmm. a lot of technique. It takes takes a lot of uh, training and a lot of heart. You know, mm-hmm. um, 
person literally it's like the triathlon of athletics right yeah yeah so so yeah nowadays so it's everybody's frustrating i mean anybody with the mentality of oh i'm a super striker or i'm a super mm-hmm. grappler and i don't need the other other you know other part of it you know mm-hmm. will be lost at some point in time yeah yeah so uh, how what did you started doing uh, initially when you started working with mma you fought couple of fights and then you started training others so initially when i joined this uh, it was called it is uh, crawford's Amer- uh, crawford's mm-hmm. mma mm-hmm. american jiu jitsu so mm-hmm. when i started there there was already uh, i think three or four guys who were fighting uh, uh, in the UFC at the time or at Cage Rage. Uh, there was mm-hmm. a Curtis Stout. He fought Anderson Silva in Cage Rage in UK. He fought Phil Baroni in UFC. Uh, there was Rob Kimmins. Uh, he fought seven times in the UFC. He, I think, also fought Strike Force in WEC. Or maybe mm-hmm. WEC and not Strike Force. So there was, there was a few guys. So, you know, I was lucky and blessed enough to, you know, mm-hmm. know about them and uh, be able to train with those guys. I became sparring partner for uh, Rob Kimmins. Mm-hmm. and prefer a few other guys who uh, you know competed at uh, smaller promotions that's where my training started so i know i you know i used to think i'm a grappler because i had done uh, judo that's where i started i'd done a good four or four years almost of judo mm-hmm. and uh, i had no concept of uh, wrestling Mm-hmm. So and let me take it back. So in uh, when I was in uh, Taekwondo and kickboxing, one of my coaches, uh, Master Nandan Singh Rawat, at that time um, he was talking about the Gracie brothers and the Gracie challenge, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, that's where you know I kind of got a little concept of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, uh, it was once I got there, then I totally understood, you know. Uh, Top pressure, top control, wrestling, and so on and so forth. So, mm-hmm. so uh, you first started training in judo. That was your first martial art. Judo, yes. Was that back in India or when you got to US? It was here in India. It was in Delhi. Yes. Oh, in- all right. So you already had like a black belt in judo before you went to US. No, I did not. I was a color belt in judo. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I moved my residence. So. That time I started Taekwondo and then subsequently came boxing. Okay, okay, okay. You achieved any belts in Taekwondo as well before you moved into like full on MMA? Uh, yeah, in mm-hmm. uh, both in uh, uh, traditional, which is ITF, mm-hmm. uh, I have a second degree, and in uh, Olympic style, I also have a second degree. Uh, oh, second degree black belt, you mean, right? All right, that's great. So that that takes a lot of time. You just say, oh, I have a second degree. <laughs> that must at least take like three to four years of dedicated study in that, right? Uh, it took me five and a half years for my mm-hmm. first uh, for mm-hmm. my for my first degree mm-hmm. uh, in Taekwondo. And uh, I mean, I love bells, but I was, I would always keep myself, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, unless I was very hard on myself. In mm-hmm. terms of, I really, I really went after quality, mm-hmm. uh, and if I wasn't ready, even my coach like that, the same mm-hmm. person I was referring to, Mister Narendra Singh Rawat, mm-hmm. he would not let me advance. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we we had the same school of thought that, uh, you know, it, it should take you a good five to seven years before you can, you know, uh, yeah, even on a black belt. So anything yeah. less than that, in my personal opinion, it may be different for other people. It's mm-hmm. it's 
it's you should unless you are a phenom like BJ Penn, who mm. I think got his black belt in uh, three years, in three years, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, so you had your black belt back in India itself, the Taekwondo one, because you said your coach, the Indian both, one, both uh, Olympic style and traditional. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're separate. Oh. So. Yeah. Okay, so you are looking at at least like five to six years of already experience in martial arts, then you move to US. Oh, that makes sense that you completely changed your career. Actually, actually about 10 years because I started training when I was about seven mm -hmm. with judo okay. and mm -hmm. then I moved on to. So how did you get into martial arts at the age of seven? Was your father who, who introduced it to you? My mother, actually. Okay. So I used to get bullied in school. It's your typical mm. story. And I would come home. Crying. Where did you grow up? In Bangalore? Uh, I was born in Jalandhar. I grew up in Delhi. Oh, okay. So you're Punjabi? You speak Punjabi? Okay. I understand a little bit of it. I don't uh, speak it. But, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, actually. Uh, I remember you talking about, about that. Yeah, yeah, back in Delhi. So, All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. Okay, so when did you finally decide, like, okay, it's time to get back to India? And what was your thought process in 2010? Well, I had uh, I had come here. Uh, I had come here to assist my mom. Uh, mm -hmm. She had a she had a business running for exports, mm -hmm. and uh, then I started working. Uh, I'd also always wanted to come back. Uh, I saw, you know, like I'm an MMA developed all across the world, and I'm a Mm -hmm. I'm a, you know, student of the game. I love martial arts, combat sports. Mm -hmm. Followed it for since, since I was young, and uh, when I saw that the, you know, I mean, I I knew in 2000 only that uh, MMA had started in India and in Nasik. I think 98, mm. 99,000 something along the lines, and I got in touch with them. And at that time, I think they were speaking with Bas Rutan, and uh, so you know, our communication broke after that um, mm -hmm. but then I haven't seen and I, I saw certain things happen in Indian MMA and I was also excited about it and uh, my my goal was to come back and you know raise uh, you know make a team mm -hmm. team in the sense that you know I mean bring whatever I have learned because I was lucky enough to you know train and stay with by just competing at that point in time at a very high level mm -hmm. and uh it was, I think it was almost uh, almost eight years that I trained in, uh, you know, uh, in a few years I stayed with them. So I kind of had a very good insight on what works, what doesn't. I mean, you can't be a part-time fighter, a part-time fighter, if you mm -hmm. want to take it, you know, seriously and you know, go a long way. So I wanted to bring all that to India, and luckily when I came back. Um, I was in Delhi and I hooked up with Cross Train Fight Club Sid. Mm. Started teaching striking over there. Initially, mm -hmm. I started with Taekwondo as well. Uh, so we were doing something for kids, trying to see how the response would be, but mostly uh, then eventually striking, you know. And then after about three to four years over there, I moved to Bangalore. Mm. And I've been here since. Uh, I had a student uh, at Cross Train. Uh, across train had a student I was there I was training him as well as Sid was mm -hmm. and uh, then that guy uh, Roshan Minor he okay. ended up moving to uh, here Bangalore for a job with mm -hmm. I think as a fitness trainer mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so we hooked up again here and then uh, you know two years uh, we had him go to evolve uh, mm -hmm. mma same uh, same owner as one championship mm -hmm. and uh, so that's you know that's where the team team started here in bangalore so officially i started as a team uh, in 2019 Okay. But I was doing it since 2011. Mm -hmm. So initially, I started working with some NGOs. Um, so simultaneously, I was with CrossTrain as well. And I was not, uh, you know, I didn't want to get into the export business as my mom was. So this mm -hmm. was this is my mind. This is my passion. So I was doing. We were doing. We were working with uh, orphanages, and mm -hmm. children, them, not only self-defense but life skills awareness, so on and so forth. All so right. Yeah, 2019, I had officially started my team, Koi Combat Academy. Oh, so you have your own gym, is it? I have my own team, and I yes, I uh, we we share space with the uh, with the kids. Uh, is, are you like is your office in your gym? Because I can hear some background noise that seemed like maybe it was weightlifting or something. Is it? No, my office no? is at my. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe that was some other noise. Okay, so let me take you a little bit back. You said Nasik, you said Basrutin, and you said 98. What happened? Like, how did MMA start in India in Nasik in 1998? So, uh, so initially when I had started MMA, I was looking for actually martial arts schools. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I already had since 95, I was already, you know, watching these fights and so on. Mm -hmm. Um but then I was, uh, I'd gone back to India, I think for about a an year. And then I came back to US and uh, I was looking for martial arts schools. And then this, this school came across the one I referred to earlier, my coach, my first MMA coach, Mr. Steve Crawford, it was Crawford's MMA. Um, so, and then, you know, when I started training, I started looking for MMA in India, just to see if, you know, it had started in India. And then uh, this school popped up in Nasik. Mm -hmm. And uh, so eventually I got in touch with them and I started speaking to them. Uh, so we were going back and forth about MMA. You know, I was, saw some of their videos. Uh, and at that time, like I said, the, the person was speaking with Bad uh, and he had stated. And so my thing was because the team I was associated with here in US, they would organize fights. So I was mm -hmm. trying to see if, you know, we can get some Indian athletes to come and compete here. Mm -hmm. So that was the idea, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we are in searching if MMA had started in India. So unfortunately, it didn't go anywhere because, like I said, they were already in conversation with you know, okay. uh, mm -hmm. the legend. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Did Basrutin participate in Indian MMA in any way? Because I was not aware of that. Not, I, I neither am I, but I know mm -hmm. that a lot of, like, there was a few people who were, who were you know, communicating with him. Mm -hmm. uh, and because at that time he was huge I yeah mean, yeah i mean he still is i mean he's a legend was he already and, in ufc or was he in pancreas at that time 98 right maybe he was already in ufc around between 98 to 2000 so yeah, yeah. That's mm -hmm. he probably was because i think that's around the time he fought uh kevin randleman for the heavyweight title Mm -hmm. So yeah. I'd have to actually check the date, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, that was probably around the time uh, he had a few fights. So he was fighting Pancras, he was fighting uh, Shooter, he was fighting uh, UFC, and mm -hmm. a few others. So, 
Yeah. So, what do you think about the response of um, response of India towards MMA back then? Because I can barely imagine <laughs> back then, even like you would, it would be rare to even find people who know WWE. Like, you know, I, right. growing up, I grew up uh, like I would I would be six years old in two thousand, right? And uh, all we knew about was maybe WWF. That too. I would say yeah. 2003 or four, yeah. We had no, yeah. and we thought that WWF was real. <laughs> yeah, we thought that that's real it fighting. Yeah, so we did. Yeah, yeah. So. so I can only imagine, like, if you say MMA, what would Indians think of? At that point in time, actually, what you said is, uh, you know, right on point because I remember the first SFL event that was held was in mm -hmm. Delhi, I think, mm -hmm. and it was a huge thing. Um, they had, I think, they had first three hours was a concert mm -hmm. and uh, then was the fights and even Kultar Singh the Black Mamba had come from Canada to fight mm -hmm. uh, he fought in pride fighting or K1 one of the two he fought and he's fought uh, Bakao as well I think anyway so he was fighting on that card but most of the people so I had taken my whole uh, you know my I, I was here in India at that time I had taken my whole gang uh, to watch the fights and uh, People like the other people who come to watch thought they had come to watch uh, WWE. But we kept waiting, kept waiting. The concert kept going on. I think we were there for about two hours and then we got tired and we left. Mm -hmm. And I found out later that about half an hour after we left, the fights stopped. Mm. Okay, so actually I just realized that that's a good thing. Professional wrestling never made it to India, but MMA did, right? I don't think there's any uh, league with professional wrestling in India, is there? Uh, I think it's starting now, but way okay. back in the day, even the Undertaker had come to India. There was never a league. People mm -hmm. tried to do events, which they did, you know, um, a couple of events, but it never mm -hmm. took off. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because of the crowd, there was a lot of fights. They were throwing stuff at the wrestlers, so it, it never took off. Okay. When was SFL? Was it like 2010 or so? I remember checking it out even 2014 or so. But that I think UFC, uh, MMA was brought to India by YouTube. Because that was the only way that we would check fights, right? Yeah. yeah. This SFL was in 2011, I think. Or 12, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so uh, so what did you do in that? Uh, oh, you were not in India, so that's a wrong question. Uh, you you started after two thousand ten, and at that time, MMA would be a little bit of a thing, and people would be starting to recognize what it is, and maybe some people got into it. But what do you think right now? How is India responding to mixed martial arts? Do they respond to it like they think that? Okay, I can look at a career in the sport. Well. Uh... The response is slow, but it's steady. Off late, uh, people mm -hmm. are starting to recognize. Uh, like, mm -hmm. for example, uh, in we made recently made a world champion, an mm -hmm. amateur world mm -hmm. championship, Kulbala Laishram, Warrior Princess. And she mm -hmm. was recognized by the chief minister of uh, Manipur. Oh, you said Surbala? Uh, Surbala Devi, I heard her name last time. Aditya was talking about Surbala her as Devi well. Lightroom. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. In fact, she's my student, and mm -hmm. uh, she was recognized along with a few other amateur athletes and a, and a couple of pro athletes when it comes to MMA. So, uh, an MMA, uh, 
Manipur has a very rich history of combat athletes and athletes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so so it's starting to catch on. Even in Maharashtra, they were recognized after certain you know world championships and so on. Mm-hmm. So yes, it is coming along, but it's not. Uh, it doesn't. It's not where it should be. Mm. I feel it will take another uh, three to five years for it to you know kind of start where it, you know you can have household names to begin with. You know. Like mm-hmm. uh, maybe not as big as cricket so soon, but mm. eventually yes. Because I uh, see um, people. The first thing you know, even when we go for sponsorships, people ask mm. us, or you know, the potential sponsor would ask ask us, is this a you know, is this game in the Commonwealth? Is it in the Olympics? Is it in the Asians? So on. Well, it's not. You know, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, professionals obviously will never be amateur. Some form of amateur should will. It's a very good possibility. Eventually, should would be, for example, sambo. You know, you mm-hmm. modify a couple of rules, it, it could possibly make it. And if you look at sambo, it is pretty much amateur MMA, mm-hmm. only with a gi up and a headgear, right? And mm-hmm. shoes, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah. So, uh, but how it works is that if people start to understand that you can change lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, of athletes where when they start earning money they can you know not not every athlete will be successful but mm-hmm. you know they have other avenues to become trainers coaches whatever the case may be uh, you know you have you you can you can make a good living right mm-hmm. um, uh, quite a few athletes come from very unfortunate backgrounds and you know they're they're uh, how Home, the income of their house between all the members is probably 10 or 20k for a month. Mm-hmm. They start fighting professionally, they start making 30,000 rupees or 40,000 bucks or whatever per fight or one lakh, one lakh ten um, after they reach a certain level. Uh, you know, it changes, it changes. So if people would kind of pay attention to that or potential sponsors or the regular, you know, whoever is in sports, then it would make a lot of sense that the government supports. Uh, mixed martial arts because it mm-hmm. certainly things to face. It's not like your see um, taekwondo's and kickboxing and everything is good, but it's not got of uh, got of that kind of steam. You know, even professional boxing, if you look at it in India itself, outside yes, absolutely, but not in India. So things like professional boxing and MMA, uh, it should certainly you know receive some sort of backing uh, from the government. Uh, Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, also the communities. So, you know, I mean, our, our fighters can do well and it'll be more recognized in that sense, if you mm-hmm. know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so would you, th- do you think that it is like we need some promoter to just invest money into it because that's how it became super popular because the route that MMA took in USA are very similar to, K- I think it was K1 uh, kickboxing uh, before MMA. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes. And yes. MMA was not like an American thing. It's first took off in Japan, right? They started over there first. From and, uh, compared between the two countries, yes, but mm-hmm. more so in uh, in Brazil and with uh, Valetudo. Yes, so Valetudo oh, existed. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure some form of it existed in the Far East as well, mm-hmm. in China and Japan. You know. Um, Mm-hmm. But uh, but the real brutal one came from um, you know uh, South America, Brazil, to mm-hmm. begin with Russia yeah. as well, uh, 
and then yes, China and Japan as well. More more I, so Japan because it came up. I think uh, like UFC was the first to make it uh, like a professional boxing. So Americans already had a whole roadmap with boxing, professional boxing. So they, so they knew how to make money out of it. So even if you look at Sambo, they're just doing it for like, there will be a champion, but there's not a lot of money involved over there, right? Kind of like in India, boxing is there, but the career is like, go for the Olympics or wrestling is there, but go for the Olympics. But we do not see like professional prize fighting, right? Correct. So in terms of Sambo, Sambo is an amateur sport. Mm -hmm. So uh, yes, we probably wouldn't see it for that. But also wrestling, uh, it would be, it would take many years to, you know, turn it into not entertainment wrestling, but professional wrestling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. boxing and MMA uh, if it is promoted you know properly it's not that people haven't promoted MMA it's Super Fight League has uh, now MFN now we have Road to Brave in India which is you know creating professional fighters mm-hmm. or giving them a platform rather and there's many more things that are, you know that are going to eventually start happening uh, they've uh, obviously not happened because uh, you know COVID was a big hit uh, mm-hmm in terms of, uh, you know, slowing everything down. Uh, so otherwise, MMA would have been, uh, you know, much ahead than it is right now here in India. So <clears throat> there is a lot of people who are planning. There is even Committee One League, which is, a, uh, you know, which had, uh, I think, Mike Tyson, either as a partner or as a brand ambassador. Or the, I don't know exactly what the, you know, details are. But so it's, they have tried to bring it to, they have tried to bring it to India. But mm-hmm. we also need uh, support from the government. We also need support from sponsors and you know the communities and uh, people who kind of start following it. Yeah, it's mostly you know people under 30, 35, unless mm-hmm. you're you know uh, in in the field in the industry who would actually follow it. It would be you know somebody who is there'll always be exceptions, but somebody who's uh, you know let's say in their mid 40s or 50s may not follow it as much because they're so conditioned to cricket. Right. That's just an example. I mean, yeah, so, it's it's uh, about about the people at the end of the day. Like, why would promoters try to invest time and money into it until unless people are going to tune in? And when I look at like American culture, it was easy because they had the Enter the Dragon, they had the Karate Kid. But what was the first movie that talked about real martial art? I remember it because I've been following martial art for a long time. I think it was Akshay Kumar in someone like some Khiladi movie in which he was fighting against Undertaker, you see round kicks and all. That's kind of the first depiction of pure martial art in a movie, in a Bollywood movie, right? And first time I think I saw MMA was Brothers, which was a copy of Warriors. And then they tried to do like a stupid version in Sultan, but I was still happy. Uh, uh, yeah, who was Tyron Woodley was in that and some final matches and the other. Yeah, but I'm I'm sad about these movies because they don't really show true MMA. Uh, this this uh recent movie Liger. Have you ever checked it no. out? <laughs> Thank God you did not. Did you even see the trailer? No, no, no. I, I somebody mentioned it vaguely and remotely. But you are aware of the movie, right? Yeah. So I, I was just. Yeah, Never I was just in the mall and I said, I knew that it was going to be a crappy movie. What can you expect, right? Look at the people involved. 
but i was in the mall i said okay it is anything martial art i'm going to check it out and i just went over there checked it out i walked out in the interval it was so mm-hmm. stupid it's an insult to mixed martial arts it's an insult to martial art itself and they keep on taking the name of bruce lee and all and meanwhile doing crap like this because bruce lee was not using any effect or any ropes or something back in 1970s and these people 1922 you cannot get people with real skills right and uh, yeah so this is like in some way we are going backwards <laughs> whatever whatever youtube you are going to get like pure mma on youtube but then bollywood is going to walk in and oh no excuse <laughs> us backward right so i think as long as we have this how are people going to realize what is real mixed martial arts right yes but what can you do about it the only mm-hmm. thing we can do from our end is you know pr- produce uh, quality events and quality fighters and be a part of it uh cannot do much about what comes out on the screen so mm-hmm. hopefully you know people start to realize that more fact mm-hmm. than fiction but then if you really look at it <clears throat> mostly fiction sells Mm-hmm. why do you say why 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 are our athletes not paid higher than our actors or actresses why mm. people think about it's <laughs> all because of people people watch watch movies more than they watch sport correct so so and uh, same goes for you know our military why mm-hmm. do they get paid for that so the police you know why do they order the the first responders the nurses mm-hmm. not not doctors but nurses yeah so <laughs> it is unfortunate but that's the way it rolls that's the way it's everywhere yeah so, but i was super yeah. happy when i tuned in for that uh, delhi event because that was fairly recent and i saw, saw such great fights they were in such good conditions the fights were great the athletes looked trained conditioned everything was on point and i actually honestly never expected that to i to see that in india but i saw that and i saw the growth because I still remember back in 2013 14 I used to hide the fact that I train in martial art from people because they would think that I'm some creep like whoa what you're doing kung fu or something <laughs> so I would just not tell them and I would not train whenever I could be spotted so I used to wake up very early in the morning so that no one can stop me <laughs> whenever someone would be passing by I would just pretend to do something else like, I'm not practicing kicks over <laughs> right from there to a point where people are tuning in it's real fight going on it made me super happy and to be honest i saw exponential progress like more than what i expected so there is something going on in india yeah absolutely the past few years the level of uh, mma has certainly come up there's a lot of names in in pro mm-hmm. you have kantarajagas or govindale roshan mainam uh, anshul jubli mohammad farhad you know mm-hmm. and there's so many others i apologize if i don't take everybody hey but you know mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of good talent that is coming up in even amateur wise it is um uh, there is good new names coming now they have started to understand the concept of mma you know knowing it and doing it are two of the th- two different things right mm-hmm. so <clears throat> for a while it was uh, you know where people were thinking okay i have striking i'll do a little bit of takedown defense and i'll be okay we have passed that stage we are mm-hmm. so past that stage and uh, mostly across the board in india not one particular association or federation you know the talent has gone up 
-hmm. because people are starting to realize now people are starting to cross train properly you know they're training in wrestling they're training in jiu-jitsu in muay thai kickboxing boxing whatever the judo whatever the case may be and uh, and then they are producing you know results we have Pantaraj uh, fighting in one championship he knocked out a brazilian uh, jiu-jitsu black belt in his last fight mm-hmm. uh, anshul jubli is fighting at road to brave we Mohammed oh. is fighting at brave mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Russian minor, you know, we're trying to see where he can go because his uh, contract with one ended. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was also hopeful in road to GFC, but I'm not sure what the what the what happened, uh, what the details were, because of which his name was dropped. But eventually, you'll see that name. Uh, and there's so many others, you know, who are fighting in MFN. Uh, there is, you know, some good talent, and there's good emerging talent coming from from the amateurs as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, these because now what happens is <clears throat> earlier everybody wanted to, you know, turn pro, pro, pro. Why? Because there's mm-hmm. money there. But see, if you want to have a short-term career, then sure, you know, you can go for instant gratification and, uh, you know, sacrifice your long-term, you know, long-term uh, career mm-hmm. for a short-term goal. And, but, you know, there are exceptions for people who are up there in age and maybe they cannot get to those uh, other promotions, uh, you mm-hmm. know, outside India or those big names, and they settle for something else. So, you know, there's some promoters uh, or some managers saying, oh, your medals and your certificates, you know, hold no value. Uh, you know, if somebody's become a world champion and you're telling them uh, your certificates and your uh, Medals don't hold any value, doesn't put food on the table. Well, mm-hmm. in a way, yes, I understand what you're saying. However, to reach to point B, you've got to go through point A or start from point A. And you have to have a journey. Mm-hmm. And you have to teach yourself. You have to learn. And you have to um, you know, build up your arsenal to be able to reach to B where you can start putting food on the table, so to speak. And it is uh, it is it is sad because you know you there's there's a lot of amateur fighters who if they would just hold off and you know work on themselves create a better arsenal and be more well rounded and then go to pro because once the once you go to start fighting in pro the clock starts and your record is uh, you know your record is there you cannot change your pro record. Uh, you can't change your amateur record, but nobody really pays yeah, attention to your amateur mm-hmm. record comparatively. So if mm-hmm. I was, let's say, if I'm a pro, I have a record of five and five, for example, or three and five, three wins, five losses, or five wins, three losses, and I go to negotiate my contract with, let's say, a one championship or Brave or a UFC, mm-hmm. I can only negotiate according to my record, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah. a little bit of my personality because they don't know me yet. Now, if I have a record of 10 and 0, I'm not saying just fighting, you know, easy fights, but, you know, having trained, having done the right things, having, uh, becoming super well-rounded. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if I even have a record of 8 and 1, for example, or 9 and 1, or 5 and 1, and depending on the quality of fights I've fought, I have more negotiation power yeah. to, to be able to go speak to these uh, promotions. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, when, when somebody says, oh, you're these things don't hold value. It's very unfortunate. Now, don't take it wrong. Exceptions will always be there to the rule, right? Mm-hmm. Some people, like I said before, are up there in age or they have some pressing issue, maybe medical, financial, you know, so on and so forth, because of which they have to do it for the family. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about 
I'm yeah. talking about. So I had an athlete. He was a brick loader. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> he unfortunately left for the same reason. You know, we mm -hmm. had sponsored him for three international championships, 100%. We were trying to make a career for him, you know, mm -hmm. a long-term career. But, you know, somebody filled his ears. Oh, pro, 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 you're ready for pro. To a certain degree, yes, you are. But you cannot hold a candle to your to fighters in, uh, you know, one championship, brave, so on and so forth, because you're not ready for it. Sure, you know you could be, you could, you could maintain a level, uh, you know, in other uh, promotions, and sure you'll get good money, and they are taking care of their athletes. For example, MFN in India is the biggest promotion right now, and it it is certainly you know putting out money there for the athletes, which is a good thing. But beyond that, I'm talking if uh, somebody is the caliber of let's say a one championship, then they should prepare accordingly because the difference is phenomenal in terms of competition in terms of compensation in terms of everything yeah yeah right. exposure so, and where you're going to go next everything, everything. right so, so yeah mm -hmm. if, if they end up and you know as for me personally and i'm sure there's others as well we're not just a coach we are a mentor we are your manager you know everything mm -hmm. you know your physiotherapist, I mean, whatever mm -hmm. this may be. So yeah, yeah. your finance, uh, whatever, you know. So a lot of coaches, there's a lot of good coaches in India, you know. There's a lot of good teams in India. And they're yeah. trying to do the right thing. They're trying to teach, uh, you know, their athletes the right things. And uh, a lot of athletes are smart that, you know, they want to go long term. They mm -hmm. want to, you know, uh, do the right thing to reach there. And that takes time. You've got to be patient. There is no shortcuts. You know, yeah. you take shortcuts, it's instant gratification. You'll get some exposure, some money, some this, that, but it would not never be long-term. Mm -hmm. On an average, I'm talking, there'll be, again, there's exceptions in the world everywhere. Yeah, so, sure. Like, yeah, uh, right when I was, sorry about that, when I'm talking to you, that made me realize that why Indian MMA is showing such an exponential growth. It's people like you. People like you with experience who know how to create a good fighter how to create a good result, then the audience is going to tune in. Well, MMA already has an automatic fa favor in its hand that it is super exciting. Nobody can just look at a MMA fight for 10 seconds and walk away. They're going to stay over there. They're going to see the, because you never know what's going to happen next, right? right. right. So all you have to do is create good fighters and that's what coaches are doing. So what do you think? Where are the young fighters going wrong uh, do they take a lot of fights which are not fit for them because what makes them a fighter itself not talking about a good fighter like being a fighter is crazy so you have to be like i'm ready for anything is that the problem that they're taking wrong fights or they're going pro too soon there's nothing wrong with being ready for a, mm -hmm. a challenge but mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, you gotta you gotta wait. You gotta wait to complete or to you know build a very good arsenal. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of fighters they're in a hurry, mm -hmm. right? Uh, beyond the exceptions, fighters want to turn pro because they want to be on TV or they want the money or whatever the case may be. Everybody wants. I mean, for one fight, if kid, you know somebody who's twenty years old, twenty one years old, twenty two, twenty three, twenty five, for mm -hmm. one fight they get one lakh or eighty thousand or whatever it is. I'm just using examples here. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's big for them, right? Even if uh, today's uh, today's day and age, it's good, right? Mm -hmm. But 
they're not seeing, or if they end up losing the fight, sure, they get that uh, money, but what happened to their record? Is it a yeah. short-term thing? They're not looking that far. So they have to believe, uh, they have to, A, listen to, you know, their team, their coach. They have to believe in their training. They have to, they cannot uh, get nonchalant and forget what the original goal was because mm -hmm. everybody was and they have left and they have gone to, you know, uh, wherever they've gone. Everybody wanted to be a champion in the UFC. Mm -hmm. That's what everybody says to me. I want to be a yeah. champion in the UFC. I want to be a champion in the UFC. Yeah. I'm like, do you what it takes? Do you realize what you, you know, what it takes to be there? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Hard work, this and that. I said, yes. I mean, it's like working hard, but working smart as well, right? Not so, just to be there, but to sustain over there. Like, how many champions do you know from other organizations who got to UFC and lost their first fight and now they're nowhere? Who was that one guy who got knocked out by Masvidal, the wrestler guy? I think he was a champion in Bellator. I'm forgetting ben, his name. Ben Askren. Ben Askren, correct. Yeah, he was a champion. Like, he, he was a great fighter. And then you see the level of UFC. UFC is really correct. something else. Yes, you know it's different. Uh, it's different everywhere. It's different protocols. The spectacular flying knee on uh, Masvidal's part, and mm -hmm. uh, he had he had already he had already you know done his homework on Ben Askren. Obviously, Ben Askren wasn't going to strike with him. The only thing mm -hmm. he was going to do him down. Mm -hmm. And if the fight would have gone longer, it's a good possibility he could have taken him down. So. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but right. that's just an example. You can see plenty yeah. of them who are performing amazingly well in a lot of top organizations outside UFC and then they get into UFC. It's a whole another level. Like even being in top 10 in UFC is a big deal. Right. Moreover, you have uh, USADA in the UFC. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's the price <laughs> testing. So I'm, not, I'm not moving any... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Night off remarks, nothing like that. I'm just saying mm -hmm. it doesn't matter where the athlete comes from. Um, in mm -hmm. the UFC, you have your and surprise testing is a big thing. Yeah, UFC, uh, you have to be clean. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. So, uh, yes, it UFC and one other top, uh, the pinnacle of the sport as of now, uh, they have a different format. Obviously, UFC is totally mm -hmm. MMA. Uh, one mm -hmm. championship is Muay Thai, kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, and I don't know if they've started boxing yet. But mm. So it's a different format, but yes, to reach any of these, you have to have a solid game plan. You have to have solid backing in terms of training, a solid team, a solid coach, solid uh, decision-making. Mm -hmm. This is where our athletes go wrong, in the decision-making. Yeah. You know, it's like, a kid in a candy store. I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want everything. But you want to take one at a time or you're going to have health, you know, so to speak. But unfortunately, uh, that's that's what happens. If somebody's level-headed and mature in approaching their career, just, the, mm -hmm. you know, how uh, Indian parents always focused on academics, yeah. right? Uh, which has obviously changed now, but I'm just give, using that as a reference uh, if we plan MMA careers like that, mm -hmm. then it makes a lot of sense. Even, I mean, any professional combat sport, for example, boxing, mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, good uh, boxers emerging. One is Karthik Satish from here, Bangalore. Mm -hmm. He's, uh, I think, from Chennai, but he's training here in Bangalore on the grassroots. Uh, 
as his management, but you know these names are popping up. He's a silver belt holder, WBC. Mm-hmm. So uh, and uh, you know there is I I don't know how many people know about it because there is no exposure. And boxing is big, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not so much in India, but it it's starting to change. So uh, you know these guys have spent their time in amateur. They have they have put in their hours. They have you know uh, they have done whatever it requires. Um, there is so many Indian fighters who have, you know, had 20, 25 uh, fights in amateur, and they're still in amateur. They're mm-hmm. still trying to build themselves. It's not, maybe some want to have the wins, I don't know, but uh, some of them do want to do the right thing and get all the experience they can. Uh, so, I mean, obviously quality is always better than quantity, but if you are doing the right thing and you are going after quality and quantity, then it's mm-hmm. good you're doing the right thing. Uh, for example, I'll give you two examples. One is Anshul Jubilee and one is Roshan Mainam, one is Kantaraj. Three examples. So Kantaraj did his amateur thing. Um, he also went for a world championship. I think he fought Rashad Evans' cousin or his mm. brother, one of the two. Uh, okay. As a, so, but Kanta, Kanta is a fourth generation wrestler. He's a judo black belt. He's also an Asian medalist in jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a national champion judo as well. So, you know, for him, the transition was much easier, mm-hmm. right? Uh, same for uh, Roshan. He had his wrestling pedigree, eight years or 10 years of wrestling at Hanuman Okada. Mm-hmm. And then he came to cross training, cross training fight club, then he came to me. So he also could transition very well. So they did like, uh, I think uh, Kanta did less. Roshan probably did about eight or eight fights to 10 fights, I don't know. And then he turned pro. Uh, mm-hmm. Anshul came for, for, I don't think Anshul came from any back. Uh, he was, uh, he's, uh, he used to be a maths teacher, I think. What? <laughs> when yeah, in school? Yeah. He was, uh, I'm not very clear. Either at one of those coaching places or at some school. I'm not okay. very sure. All right. He did his maths, right? And got into yeah. MMA, right? <laughs> and he's very analytical. You know, he, mm-hmm. he even I've seen him fight. He's fought guys and he was the underdog. And he very humbly took care of those guys. Mm-hmm. No issue at all. Yeah. Uh, almost seemed like no effort. But I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, the brain was working, the muscles were working, everything was working. And then again, you know, he comes from a camp like CrossFit Fight Club, which they don't leave anything unturned. They, you know, you that's what I'm saying, you know, the kind of training you receive, the kind of thought process you have, it all has to culminate for it to, for you to become. And see where, uh, now he's fighting uh, at road to EFC. Mm-hmm. So, okay, nice. Uh, I would say, uh, don't you think that it is actually better than a fighter is smarter brain wise than he is like physically very gifted because if you're smart with your career you are going to actually make it farther as a coach uh, do you do you think that uh, the physical talent is necessary because it's a sport right Uh, is it necessary or it's like okay it is good if you have it physical uh, yeah excellence like good height good build like that sorry about that um it is yeah. absolutely necessary mm-hmm. uh, i mean you can take for example if you talk about a fighter like john jones mm-hmm. right sure he's long he's lanky but that's not the reason for his success yeah he, he has iq mm-hmm. you know he's been many a tall fighter in mma and they have not been as successful right yeah. Yeah. because uh, they have not um, used their full potential 
Mm-hmm. They have not used everything they could have. Uh, so, so as it is important to have, uh, it is important to have uh, the talent, the body type, but it is also very important to you know be able to put everything together, which this takes care of. So, like uh, I'm talking about like athleticism, right? Uh, all the sport, other sports you look at. Not talking about cricket though, because we have plenty of examples and I don't think it's the most athletic sport in this world. But when you look at like football, you look at basketball, you look at American football. Um, so you will require, like that is definitely an advantage. If you're like six foot, uh, six foot seven, better get into basketball, right? That will definitely play as an advantage. But uh, do you think MMA, is, is it playing a big role or it does not really matter much? Yeah, it does though. It does. It does play a role. I mean, but it, that's what I'm saying. You know, I mean, to a certain degree, it will. To a certain mm-hmm. level, it will. But when you get into the higher echelon, then um, you know you have to have all everything put together very yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Example I just think of John Jones is because this, like I said, you know, there was other fighters who was who were tall, but they did well, but they mm-hmm. were not able to, you know, accomplish what this guy accomplished. I think he was 23 when he became champion. I think and, 21 or so. Yeah, he was pretty young. I don't know. Young, youngest yeah. UFC champion. So mm-hmm. it certainly plays a part. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it will come down to, sure, if you're super athletic, if you're, you know, uh, your body, you know, is double jointed. I don't know. You know, you could you could have a crazy amount of speed or power. Um, you know, obviously that, uh, you know, those are good attributes to have. But at the end of the day, you know, the driver has to, you know, the brain has to send the signals. The IQ has to be there for you to, you know, do those things. Now, mm-hmm. people, uh, John John's personal life was that was that separate, but he's also gone through adversity. Now he was fighting Shale Sonan. His big toe broke. It was hanging. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that had gone into the second round, that would have been, uh, fight, the fight would have been stopped. And Chael would have become the champion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because John Jones is crazy. You see it in every part of his life, right? Vitor, yeah. Vitor popped his elbow, uh, trying to go for an armbar. He didn't tap. He came back and he won the fight, I think, with the Kimura, maybe. I don't know. So, no, I mean, there's a lot of fighters mm-hmm. who, you know, come back from being flash knocked out and the ref didn't stop it. And they came back and they won the fight. Mm-hmm. There's fighters who are losing the whole fight and... Uh, they come back and they win it in the last moment, like Anderson Silva against Shale Part One, mm-hmm. and then recently Glover Teixeira when he is winning the whole fight, and then he mm-hmm. gets submitted in I don't know thirty seconds, 50, I don't know how many seconds were left, but it was the tail end of it, the very tail end of the fight. So mm-hmm. now it's the it's the Polish fighter, I think I, I cannot pronounce his name, but uh, so they are having a, a sequel to the first fight, but. Like I said, you know, it 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 is great. There is the will to win, there's the determination, but then uh, there is always uh, the IQ as well. So yeah, you know, you yeah. not it's not over till the bell rings at the end. So mm-hmm. even if you have 10, 15, 20 seconds, you know, a person is losing a fight, he swings and he catches somebody, puts him to sleep. So many things happen, but um, the physical type, the, the athletic ability of an athlete, obviously, is a big plus. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you need the IQ as well. So, for example, if you look at Anshul Jubilee, or you look at uh, uh, Russian Mind, I'm just talking about Indian athletes. So Anshul mm-hmm. looks very average when mm-hmm. you know. Uh, when I saw him in the amateurs, I haven't seen him personally off late. 
but uh, but when he fights, it's a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different thing. Uh, it's 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 the IQ that that is driving everything. Obviously, the training is there, you know, uh, the the corner, the coach is there, but at the end of the day, you know, you're the one who's doing it inside. So it all come it has to come together for. You know, like I said, up to a certain point, yes, a lot of things will work, will give you the advantage. But then mm-hmm. after a certain point, you have to put it together and IQ is a big part of it. Yeah. Like yeah. fitness, we say, yes, exercise is very important, but so is your mm-hmm. food, right? Mm-hmm. But something like that. You know, just <laughs> yeah. You know, the other. So, you know, how uh, now you take, uh, who was that Brazilian fighter who would not let submission holes go and uh, they, they chucked him out? Oh yeah, 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 I remember of him. Yeah, so he used to have a lot of footlocks, right? Are you talking about yeah. him? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he had something wrong going on in his brain. I think he had like a tough childhood or something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure, but he did try to get a sports psychologist involved in everything. But mm-hmm. he was never known for his IQ. He was known for his aggressive uh, fighting mm-hmm. style. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, he he did very well up to a certain point, but beyond that, you know, mm-hmm. beyond that, then it was a no go. So even Alan Belcher fought him, and apparently Alan Belcher, from what I hear, should have won that fight. Mm-hmm. But no, maybe not. He submit. I'm not sure which. Uh, maybe I'm going off track. Yeah, never mind. I'll let that out. He once fought so, Jake Shields, right? And I guess yeah, he broke his leg. He didn't let the submission go. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I is that Paul Harris? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right. All right. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it's it's crazy, right? You have to be crazy to be a fighter to choose that sport, right? Like, I would never, I would never choose mixed martial arts as my career. I've been doing it since the age of eight. I've been in martial arts, but like, I would not choose that because I'm scared of getting hurt, right? So, you have to be crazy to be fighting. What are you going to do if you're in a professional fight? If that guy is hitting you, it takes a crazy man to say, okay, you hit me, but I'm going to hit you back and I'm going to see the end, right? It needs a crazy man to be in that situation. So you have to be crazy, but at the same time calculated. Like there's a lot of hate on Conor McGregor, but he played it smart. He made a lot of money. He was over there. He was never on the back foot. He was fighting. You can't complain much. So those people are rare. And he he did uh, he just changed the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He brought it on the map. I still remember it was 2016. I'm seeing on the newspaper like he he defeated Jose uh, Jose Aldo. Yeah. Newspaper in India. When does that happen? I think it was the first time it ever happened. Right. Yeah. I, I would would imagine so. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was. But see, somebody like Conor McGregor, he was obviously a brilliant uh, fighter mm-hmm. or is uh, still I mean even though he may have had a string of losses he's still fighting the upper echelon of who's who in MMA mm-hmm. so you can hate as much but that's what draws the people to him love him or hate him right yeah uh, he did what nobody has done he knocked out Jose Aldo in, and Jose Aldo is my favorite one of my favorite fighters mm-hmm. 13 seconds mm. uh he just, he has phenomenally changed the game. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, we can keep on going as long as you want because this is interesting. <laughs> I don't know yeah, yeah, about the audience because, but I'm having a blast. So yeah, you were saying something about Conor McGregor and uh, his career, and you were at Jose Aldo. Yeah, brilliant sports person, brilliant mm-hmm. fighter, brilliant. Is um, a marketing genius. He mm-hmm. he broke records uh, more so than Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Bro- b- before him was Brock Lesnar. Before Brock was Chuck Liddell. Yeah, yeah, and he supersedes all of them. Mm-hmm. He was—he's been on uh, Forbes, I think. Uh, I think he's the first and the only athlete to make it apart. I don't know about Anderson Silva. But, no, uh, he was the first, yeah. definitely. Yeah. He was the first, right? Yeah. So uh, who does it? Who who gets ahead of uh, you know for the year ahead of? You'll have to go all the way back to like Muhammad Ali. I think the Muhammad yeah. Ali was the only one who did it better when it comes to marketing. Correct. Right? Correct. Absolutely. Marketing mm. genius. And he mm. did it pretty well. So, that was, Do you think was... that he started losing his mind somewhere when he was fighting Floyd Mayweather? Because no, you did was, not see the all... same guy. But he was fighting boxing. Boxing, it's a different set of rules. You don't train the same way. You cannot... Mm-hmm. I would give a, a, you know, now we have fighters who are fighting real old boxers or whatever, mm-hmm. like Vitor fought uh, Holyfield, was it? Yeah, Evander Holyfield. And knocked him out. But but what is what does that prove? It proves nothing in my mm-hmm. book because Holyfield is like old, super mm-hmm. old. Yeah. And uh, he, you know, probably needed a payday. I don't know. No disrespect mm-hmm. to him, but he had to step in for whatever reason. Uh feel the lights again, be in the ring again, whatever it may be. And uh, this one was, I think he he had not retired yet. He was 49 and 0, Mayweather. And he was still, you know, I mean, he's still good. He's still knocking out people. And his defensive boxing is awesome. MMA fighters are not boxers and boxers are not MMA fighters. Yeah, but I'm not talking about him losing. That made a lot of sense. But once he uh, once he lost against Ned Diaz, the first fight, something in mm-hmm. in him changed a little bit. Like I did not see the same Conor McGregor after that. He kept on winning a lot of fights, right? But but he changed a little bit. Like what he did with Khabib in that bus incident. You remember that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That was a little bit. Yeah, that's not marketing anymore. Like he is doing it because he wants yeah. to do it, right? He did not do it for marketing. True. True, right. true. Well, you know, I mean, you get to a certain point where you feel you're, you can do anything you want. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, when you start feeling that you are, you cannot, you know, you can do anything, you're not beaten, you know, nobody can beat you. Mm-hmm. And you've made a name, you've become so big uh, that you can get away with things. So things start happening. It, it's a good possibility. But there's also a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that we don't know about. We're not previewed to. Yeah, and um, so you know who is to say we we don't know we can only speculate. So, but yes, I I know one thing is that you know when you uh, achieve so much of fame and wealth and notoriety, mm-hmm. then you know sometimes people start uh, thinking in a very different way. So yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so. Uh, how do you do you take like classes for just casual uh, people who want to train in MMA? Do you do those classes as well, or do you only train professional or people who are preparing for a fight? No, to to be able to sponsor athletes and mm-hmm. you know 
uh, have a fight team. I do, you know, I have a business part to it. Okay, so you and take classes, like normal Correct. classes, which is yes. casual people who yes. want to train, right? Yes. So, so tell me, how, how often do you see people dropping out in a month? Mm, I'd say about 20%, not in a just, month, but a few months. Just 20%? Sorry. Because martial yeah. art, like a lot of people just get in, but once they find out what it is, they are quick to Correct. just leave it because martial art is something that takes a lot of time, especially yes. when you're talking about yes. mixed martial arts, right? Correct. Correct. See, uh, mixed martial arts is not only for fighting. It works mm -hmm. perfectly for self-defense. It works mm -hmm. great for fitness yeah. and whatever your goal may be, you know, it's not a one dimensional sport or, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, so people, uh, typically not everybody comes in for fighting, not everybody comes in to learn the skill. A lot of people just come in because they want a good workout and, you know, they learn something along the way. So not saying kickboxing doesn't do it. It's just that MMA is more complete. Uh, when you grapple, your cardiovascular capacity uh, is totally different as opposed to when you stand up and strike. You know, yeah. it's a totally different uh, science and uh, you use different muscles, so on and so forth. So it works out well, depending on, regardless of what your uh, goals are, fitness, self-defense, learning a skill or being an athlete. So, so um, when, when you get like a person who has never, ever trained in any kind of martial art, maybe not even in any kind of sport. So when that person comes in to train in mixed martial arts, do you start like all at the same time? Like, okay, kickboxing on Wednesday, jiu-jitsu on Friday, maybe some conditioning on Wednesday like that? Or do you think it would be better for a person to first focus on kickboxing, then after some time into jiu-jitsu? What do you do? So <clears throat> we let them come for the first uh, couple of weeks mm -hmm. to about four weeks maximum. We let them, you know, find their way in every class and then we decide accordingly. So it's done per person basis. Oh, then you, then you change? Like, okay, you can specialize in this one? So, no, so it's not that they stop. It is just that they. some people have the aptitude not to oh, do both together. Focus more some on people, that. Yeah, some people have the aptitude to do all of it. Somebody are physically all right to be able to do all of it. Mm -hmm. So regardless of if it's your aptitude, if it's your ability, if it's your cardiovascular capacity, your muscular capacity, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. then we do it accordingly. So, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because yeah, if you're 100% fresh, then it does not make sense for you to focus on everything because each of each and every Correct. one of them takes like years for you to even absolutely use it. absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. so your yeah. average uh, uh, if we talk about belts your average uh, your average belt in jiu jitsu is 8 to 10 years black belt mm -hmm. right yeah so. yeah all right so who are your favorite fighters currently who do you look up to <laughs> Uh, in MMA, mm -hmm. it's been uh, Olog Tiktaro. He used to fight in the early UFCs. He was a Sambo guy. Mm -hmm. uh, Shogun Hua, Vandalay mm -hmm. Silva, Fedor. Shogun is still... Jose oh, you're, you're talking about like throughout, right? Till now. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. saying your favorites of all time. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, Shogun. Eh? Yeah, so 
Shogun is uh, still has a fight, I think. He's apparently he's taken up a fight right now. Oh, okay. In the UFC. So I thought he had retired. But anyway, mm-hmm. Jose Aldo, he is also retired. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm just, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Russian Mainam, Kantarajagasa. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, right, right. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah, you I mean, at... even, even it, uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I think, uh, no, because, you know, you work with them firsthand and you see the challenges mm-hmm. they've gone through or yeah. they are going through and they're still struggling. And yeah. mostly with uh, a lot of your athletes, it's always uh, financial, it's parents, it's family, it's, you know, uh, so many challenges and, uh, but they don't, they stay undeterred. For example, mm-hmm. uh, let me use the example of Kantaraj. This fight he won, before that, he got knocked out by a flying knee. First the knee hit and then the instep hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, he could not see after that properly. You know, It's just the feeling you get after being hit real hard. How long? And, uh, how long? How long wasn't he able to see? No, he was like right when he got hit, he sat down. It was like right at the end of the round. Mm-hmm. He sat down and he was like, you know, it's the typical feeling you get when you get a nice shot to the head. Mm-hmm. Everything goes uh, slow motion, but everything is fast at the same time. Everything is hazy. You you hear different, uh, some sort of a concussion, you know. Okay. And uh, so for the for, he could not uh, answer the bell for the next round because he was not, uh, you know, all there. Mm. So, uh, but then he comes back his next fight and he knocks out a Brazilian champion uh, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a black belt, which is, uh, you know, phenomenal. So why it's not because they're my students, even I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, Anshul Jubilee, Sumit Bihan, you know, so many Tribhuvanasar, some of them are my students, some of them are not, but, you know, you look at them, you see where they've come from and what they've done and you're like, wow. Mm-hmm. So it's not only international athletes. Sure, you know, these guys are at the pinnacle, the names I took first, but, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Maybe you can send some of them over here if they are having a fight coming up and uh, make, maybe yeah. I can talk to them. That would be great. Right? Absolutely. You should yeah. certainly speak with them. I, I think uh, they would have a lot to share. They would have mm-hmm. a lot to, you know, talk about themselves. Like, uh we were talking about Surbala earlier. Sure, she's my student. So I don't know everybody's in story, you know, inside story. I know my fighter's inside story. So mm. we went for a world championship in 2019 where she tore three lig- two ligaments in her uh, ACL, MCL, and meniscus. Mm. She was out for two years and she was staying with me at the time at my house with my family. And we saw her go through physiotherapy, you know, and the pain she went through and the doubt she had in her mind that, you know, my career is over, so on and so forth. Then she came back. She was in training for National MMA Championship in March of 2021, which was selection for World Championship or Asian. I'm not sure which. I think Asians, yes. And then she re-injured her knee. She had a grade one tear in her MCL again. So she was out for another, you know, uh, four or six weeks and then you know she rehabbed again and she came back again and the first uh, fight she had was at the Gama World Championships yeah, yeah. Uh, Alita was talking about it right yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. and mm-hmm. then she goes again she she had to go up in a weight class because uh, the Russia Ukraine conflict was going on mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of athletes didn't show up 
so she had to go up one weight class. She was ready to fight at atom weight, and uh, she had to go up to straw weight, fifty-two point two, I think. So she was uh, on fight day. She was fifty point fifty point three kgs. Mm-hmm. And her opponents obviously rehydrated, who were who were weighed in at fifty-two, probably rehydrated to a couple of kgs minimum. Yeah. And uh, she was, I mean, if you look at the fights, <clears throat> she's significantly smaller mm. to her opponents. And she won the first fight. She lost the first round of the first fight. And then she dominated the second and the third round. Yeah, Clear yeah. victory. Mm-hmm. And she showed off her striking. She showed off her wrestling, her takedowns. Um, then she came into the final round. And again, first round, first minute. And this is exactly what happened. Uh, some, something similar as far as the time is concerned. <clears throat> Within the first half of the fir- first round, first minute, uh, the first World Championship 2019, she hurt her uh, knee. And here also, first round, first minute, approximately, she got hit by an illegal knee. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she got she got hit by a straight punch. She fell. The girl walked in and she threw her knee on this side of the face. Mm. And she had three hairline, uh, two hairline fracture and one clear break. Yeah. So the break was clear. You could see it in the CT scan. Yeah. And her jaw dislocated because of that. She yeah. fought through it. And yeah. And won. You know that's the where she, won. she won the gold, right? Yeah. yeah. So she but got were up. Were you in uh, a corner at that time? Yes. Yes, I was. In oh, so so she broke her jaw <clears throat> in second round. First round. First minute. First round. Yeah. What do you say to her after first round? Yeah, in the corner. No, I knew she got hit, but mm-hmm. I didn't know uh, how bad it was till the time I stepped in the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at the at the break. So, but but she got dropped. She got hit with a ling and ling. The ref takes away a point. Mm-hmm. Um. Then she comes back, she, you know, they do a little bit of uh, strikes back and forth and she throws a right hook and drops that girl with the left hook. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful shot that was. I had to mention that, sorry. <laughs> so we, we came out, when we came, uh, I gave her water the first round, but after the second, uh, after the second round, she didn't want to open her uh, mouth because it was stuck. Yeah. Yeah. So after the fight, I picked her up, I rushed her to the, you know, the paramedics over there and, uh, but she could not, uh, it was starting to get locked. She knew if we would have told the doctor, they would have stopped the fight. Mm. So I, even then I knew that she was hurt, but I didn't know the gravity of what it was or what she was feeling because you only get one minute, right? So I asked her like, okay, she's like, okay, I'm hurt a little bit. I'm like, okay, how bad is it? You know, and then within that, then she said, no, it's okay. Uh, So we started giving her instructions. And then she continued to fight and she was aggressive throughout the fight. It wasn't that she was taking a back step. She was aggressive. Mm -hmm. She was not backing down. She had come to win. She wanted to hear the national anthem, have the Indian flag played, and that's what she did. What is she doing currently? Is she having a contract with some some organization currently? Uh, As of now, she's still an amateur athlete. We Mm -hmm. are... uh, I think she had an accident by mistake. She got hit on the face. So mm-hmm. uh, she's visiting the doctor right now. Once it's all said and done, then uh, mostly we will be going pro with her. Maybe a warm-up fight at semi-pro. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we have good training partners. We have a good team, uh, yeah. a good mix of uh, pro and amateur athletes. <clears throat> mm-hmm. 
so maybe uh, you know and she's not the one to shy away from a fight and the lights uh, you know when you get into the ring it does not affect her like that she's she's very single minded in a pursuit when it comes to fighting so mm-hmm. once she's in the ring or the cage so uh, mostly we will we will see what's a good fit for her what the possibilities are where we get opportunities and then we'll you know put her that direction whatever is best yeah you being a coach does it ever become difficult because sometimes there are clashes because you are training multiple people who are trying to make a career into it right uh, it is a difficult like any kind of relationship in this world is difficult relationship with your father might be difficult yeah. as well with your wife it will be difficult um, same goes there's a relationship between coach and and the student or the sportsman right so does it become uh, difficult like you have to be crazy good at that right yes so it is for me uh, you know different coaches uh, mm-hmm. handle it differently and work mm-hmm. differently for me uh, my athletes are like my family so we mm-hmm. have our issues we have our fights we have our falling out but at the end of the day we know that we are there for each other for the ones who are real as far mm-hmm. as i'm concerned some have reasons and they leave but uh, but it is uh, it is uh, it is just like a family so you know yeah. teams a family a family is a team so yeah it's impossible to not have a conflict right but it is also Correct. important to know that okay it's going to happen at the end of the Correct. day we are together right yeah right we have the single goal so, absolutely so when my when a lot of these athletes showed up in 2019 point of view came from manipur and uh, at that point in time you know i had a conversation with my brother so my brother and sister in law moved out so these athletes could stay here you mm-hmm. know so that's the kind of like you said you have to be crazy to be a fighter you have to be crazy to be a coach oh yeah you have to be you have to be you have that to is be. why uh, good coaches used to be fighters as well yeah yeah it goes both ways it goes mm-hmm. both you know i was i was a decent fighter i was never uh you know uh, a medalist uh, or a gold medalist or a champion but mm-hmm. you know uh but this but i was also very lucky in my journey to have worked with certain athletes who were you know competing at the highest level mm-hmm. and uh, you know my mother was a sports person my brother was a sports person so it kind of certain things kind of get ingrained in you you know yeah now that i think process. of it like like the best fighters do not turn out to be the best coaches like look at the coach of uh, let's say conor mcgregor or uh, yeah demetrius johnson or john jones yeah. or yeah look at dwayne ludwig he was not like the world champion but look what he created out of tj dillashaw correct correct so or, you know i mean what? that's what yeah. i'm saying yeah. there was a football coach in uh, for for the kansas city chiefs mm-hmm. and i think he didn't play beyond college football Mm. i think uh, mm-hmm. and there's been basketball coaches like that because you know their uh, attributes are different you know their yeah. iq is different everybody is different somebody has the you know a good brain but the body doesn't go along with it somebody mm-hmm. has a good body the brain doesn't go along with it mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that you know they don't work together and some both work so there's some very good athletes who yeah. become very good coaches and then there's somebody average athletes who become great coaches on the so, contrary you know, have you have you seen khabib being on the corner have you seen how great he is doing the job at that yes yes yeah. yes so uh, so he's you know he's a student of the game mm-hmm. uh, people typically who start 
training at a very early age you know again mm-hmm. there is always exceptions but people they you know they have a totally different thought process it's a totally mm-hmm. different thought process as opposed to somebody not saying somebody who started at a later stage wouldn't be good or great mm-hmm. but mostly people who started at the age of 3 2 4 whatever yeah. they they just think very different this life is normal it, for them they don't know any correct. other life it's it's yeah. like it's mm-hmm. like uh, you know opening the fridge clo- locking the door walking <laughs> down the street it's that it's that yeah. normal for them So, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, the kind of pedigree uh, that team brings uh, habib's uh, team brings and you know hooking up with aka and mm-hmm. it's totally different it's totally different it shows it definitely shows so that th- th- that brings us to the point you look at pakistani fighters right yeah. or brazilian fighters or you look at fighters from india who come from a you know difficult background or the difficult terrain or what have you you know they are just built different mm-hmm. right yeah. i mean it's it's totally totally built different and uh, that has a lot to do with it also so, yeah it was going in my mind back when we were talking and like i said this is the reason this keeps on going the whole conversation uh, that india is great when it comes to wrestling and wrestling is a very important aspect of mixed martial arts because you dictate where the fight goes and india has a very good lineage of wrestling like you are going to see second generation third generation like look at the forgots right and they they have a uh, they have someone from the past generation who is going to teach that from a very early childhood and you grow up into that like look at the gracies they just grew up into jiu jitsu that's normal for them absolutely but india has that background that was good with america as well america had good wrestling programs so they produced a lot of good mma fighters but uh, india it would be a little bit difficult because the sport has already grown to that level where they are like yeah. taekwondo people and you are not even seeing people throwing capoeira kicks in mma right but but oh, yeah. there's there's a very good uh, great possibility a possibility of one out say that india creates a lot of good fighters because wrestling is good boxing is good and yeah right yeah uh, i think uh, it has a lot to do with how we start off at school uh, eventually you know initially it was all academics now that mm-hmm. we didn't have athletes but the main main cons- main focus for parents in schools was academics it didn't matter for example me i was in my 8th standard in uh, a4 school in delhi i flunked because i had gone for my judo nationals mm. right so i missed a couple of exams and then uh if you look at american schools uh, and you see uh from from schools they start yeah. wrestling it's mandatory yeah. yeah you weight training mandatory you understand the concept of exercising you understand how why what where and when right mm-hmm. so so it makes a it makes a more uh, suitable a person more suitable for athletics as well as academics now it's starting to change in india it's starting to get better where you know athletes are also getting their fair share earlier in my time there used to be one pt period in one week <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, and nobody is even going to get like physically trained in that <laughs> you just go play cricket you know yeah. with a tennis ball or whatever yeah but uh, but it's it's i'm glad it's changing it's changing for the better i mean be it be it uh, athletics be it uh, uh badminton be it 
wrestling, boxing, mm. now MMA. Yeah. Indian athletes are coming up. Indian athletes are coming up and they will get the respect they deserve. As of now, I don't think a lot of uh, promotions respect them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we need to show something too. So we cannot just say, okay, oh, you know, the thing uh, historically India is behind in sports because of the, you know, politics, uh, politics is everywhere or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the issues used to be. Now it's changing and we got to prove it. So, and we have very capable athletes. Our athletes who are on top right now, as far as India is concerned, or they're fighting in the top promotions right now, rather. They are paving a way for the future generations to come. People like uh, established athletes, whoever they are, be it boxing, be it wrestling, be it MMA, they are paving a very, uh, you know, uh, a very good uh, path for mm-hmm. upcoming fighters. And upcoming fighters are not disappointing. They yeah. are starting, they're starting to use their brains. They're starting mm-hmm. to learn the proper way, go to the right people to learn that. And uh, before you know it, you'll have camps like, you know, Tiger, Muay Thai, Bang Tao, and so on and so forth, eventually in India as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, we, we have some of the top analytical brains. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a matter of catching up. Yeah. And that's that, that game is not easy to catch up because the other people keep advancing, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to do extra work, but we also have to work smart as coaches, as athletes, as uh, people who are running the federations and promotions and associations, whatever the case may be. And you promote the sport. You know, I mean, business will always run as far in the name of sport. Everything will happen, but at least grow the sport, grow the athlete, give them the right exposure, stop, you know, uh, long gone are the days where you know because you know somebody you're going I mean maybe it still happens but mm-hmm. you know your performance should speak for itself uh, you know I've been to championships uh, I will not name any names or federations or anything where a person never fought in MMA and they're straight into a world championship mm. into a world championship mm-hmm. <laughs> right so that kind of gives us a bad name that is mm-hmm. why people are like, oh, Indian fighter, Psh, no problem. Mm-hmm. I bet they thought, thought like that versus Serbalite amateur, but you know, mm-hmm. we showed them. And there's a lot of trained, well-trained athletes, you know, who didn't get past the first round, who didn't win, but that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. as long as you're at the top of your game when you're representing your country, that's that should qualify you for representing the country and no other reason, not because you have the money and you know, or whatever the example. Mm-hmm whatever you know you want to say so i i really uh it, it everybody has to change to bring that that kind of a movement so to speak you know it, yeah. it can't only be the athlete otherwise it's all it's going to be far and few in between because someone have the means to make it mm-hmm. financially or otherwise but athletes also need to realize uh, patience yeah loyalty mm-hmm. hard work integrity, ethics, perseverance, willpower, determination, they need to have all these, uh, the, the, all, you know, the thought process like that. Mm-hmm. You can't be jumping. There's a lot of athletes who will, who will go gym hopping or team hopping, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Why, why would you do that? You know, it, it, it doesn't make sense. You've got to give, uh, you know, a coach some time to build up, you know, uh, because, you know, if I show up at your doorstep and, you know, you're going to teach me something, I learned something. And then I, after, you know, a couple of months, I'm gone, I'm somewhere else. 
that doesn't make sense yeah, yeah but like but uh, but to like contrary to that there are a lot of our trainers or coaches who do not know what the hell they are doing so you would be seeing a lot of Those, fighters who just came to you i'm not yeah <laughs> no yeah. no i'm not talking i'm not mm. talking about um, mm-hmm. i'm not i'm talking about uh, you know you you got to give for the ones i'm i'm, I'm yeah for the ones who are good, good obviously yeah correct so mm-hmm. there is no harm in mm-hmm. you know going in training somewhere else if another team has you know like for example some camps are going to be uh, grapple heavy some mm-hmm. camps are going to be strike heavy you know some will be both uh, mm-hmm. some will be you know they are in excellent shape and they are good grapplers or excellent shape and they good strikers so on so forth so there's a lot of camps who will associate with each other and yeah. uh, you know people will train at both places and mm-hmm. i have a i have a few students who do that and there's nothing wrong with that but loyalty is super important an athlete can't say oh the promotion did this to me well you just uh, you know effed over your team your coach <laughs> you know why are you crying now because yeah. there's somebody promotion promotion is all about running the promotion mhm if you yeah. really think about it you know mm-hmm. the day you can't fight what is the promotion going to do for you what mm. will the promotion do for you please tell me <laughs> there is not uh, one promotion who will do anything for you yeah why would they they're running a cutthroat with high correct. high it competition is. yeah correct it is mm. and and you can't blame the promotion either because mm-hmm. it's money out of their pockets yeah yeah, yeah yeah why should they so mm-hmm. so you know it's you have to it's a whole spectrum of learning tomorrow you get hurt and it's a life it's a career ending uh, injury you probably end up as a coach or a trainer right mm. but what will you train your students mm-hmm. when you you know you've been jumping ship here and there so <laughs> so it works in a lot of ways so yeah. i've seen a lot of athletes complain about uh, promotion ne kar diya federation ne wo kar diya ye aapne kya kiya you mm-hmm. know so yeah. it it works it works it goes hand in hand so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i completely uh, get what you're saying yeah, yeah everything requires some time right yeah but, uh, but slowly initially it used to be mm-hmm. where um there was you know you could uh, you could learn everything under the sun in under one dojo which or one team or whatever which was frivolous but mm-hmm. now it's about to starting to change you know uh, mm-hmm. for example um i'm not going to put it out there i know what my strengths are my fighters mm-hmm. know what my strengths are when we need something that i don't have or mm-hmm. something i'm not uh, great at or mm-hmm. good at then i'll send them to somebody who is mm-hmm. you still belong to the same team it's just that you're sharing knowledge yeah yeah and yeah. other athletes come to my team to learn what we are good at you know yeah. as of now i can say we are uh, if not top we are one of the top amateur teams because of our resume mm-hmm. we went in asians 2021 kyrgyzstan four athletes went we came back with five medals one athlete uh, became flyweight mma champion and got a silver medal in striking mma a second uh, became a gold medalist in strawweight and we had two athletes who got two bronze world championship you already know we created history made india's first senior world champion we also came back with the silver and two bronze again we had taken four athletes we are these are these are the medals for team koi mm-hmm. uh, in uh, india's medal tally so yeah well i'm super grateful that you exist and you do what you do you you and people like um, those in your team 
and people like Aditya, they are pushing Indian MMA forward. You're pushing the sport forward. You're making more and more people aware. I'm very thankful that I was able to talk to people like you, Aditya, Gagan, and uh, you chose this sport and you're sticking with it. I'm super happy about it. And I'll do my part however I can. Uh, you, If any of your fighters feels like they want to share something, my doors are always open. Just let me know. You know how to reach me out. And this was a fantastic time just talking to you. I have so many questions. Maybe we will do a part two. Uh, but this was great. I think we talked for over over one and a half hour or so. Oh wow! Have you? <laughs> oh, you did I not feel like then I've done my job. No, I've done my job absolutely. well. <laughs> absolutely not. I did not. So, right. no, so this is you know this is what we live for. So I really mm -hmm. appreciate the platform that you're providing and the awareness you're creating. It is super important for us, and uh, you know. I just hope to see Indian athletes uh, succeed. Period, regardless mm -hmm. of what uh, you know, what sport they do or what they do, but martial arts and mixed martial arts is very dear to me. So, yeah, and uh, to to those who are listening, I'm going to just link few of the fights down in the description box. For example, the Surbala Devi fight that we were talking about. I watched that fight. Uh, it was available on YouTube. I do not know. If I was the exact same fight in which she broke her jaw, but I've checked out a few of her fights and I'll tell you, there's not much difference in between like top tier MMA fights and these fights that we are talking about. The athletes are great. They put their heart out there. They fight hard and you will enjoy each and every fights, even those which are on YouTube getting like 300, 400 views. Those are all like great fights. And these fighters all hats off to them for, um, choosing the stuff career and sticking at it you're doing a great job as well like Can i said I suggest one thing please do sorry sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no you Just... did not cut me off i was done no. yeah tell so, me so uh there is uh, there's an indian athlete sumit beyond he mm -hmm. in asians dislocated uh, with kimura mm -hmm. uh, a kazakh fighter's shoulder mm -hmm. and he did it again at the world championship mm. So he's a two-time silver medalist, world and Asian. So All right. we, I said that I said that because you just talked about top-tier fighters, mm -hmm. and we are not that far. So that is the reason because. Uh, oh, I did not mean any disrespect, obviously. Oh no, 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 no. no. Yeah. no, no, no not disrespect. What okay. I mean is that kind of gave me the idea to talk about mm -hmm. it. That maybe you know that is mm -hmm. you're right. You're exactly mm -hmm. right when you say that mm -hmm. these fighters are not uh, that far away from you know at that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like just, even yeah, even just... the fights that you do not see, like the one the fights that I saw in Delhi uh, that day where we met, those were all great fights as well. Like any <laughs> fight where you're having these athletes who have spent so much time and energy preparing for it, where it's always yeah. worth watching, absolutely, right? Absolutely. Okay, all right, Vishal. It was great time talking to you. Had a great time. It Likewise. was fun for me, Likewise. even if it was not being recorded and well. posted on YouTube. I would still have done this, <laughs> right? Yeah. It was good talking to you, and uh, let's you. do it again sometime, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Once again, uh, thank you for having me on here. Really so, if, if people are in Bangalore, where if they want to start MMA, where can they find you? Uh, I am location uh, close to Agra Lake near mm -hmm. HSR. Mm -hmm. It's called Jaksandra. So we are right next to uh, Greenview Multi-Speciality Hospital, which is opposite mm -hmm. Agra Lake. It's between Koramangla and HSR. It's called so Combat can, Academy. Can they search oh, Combat Academy? That's what they put Koi on Google Combat, Map. Koi Combat oh. Academy, yes. All right. Uh, Koi Combat it. Academy, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
yeah plenty of people from bangalore follow maybe some of them are going to show up at your gym right that would be great that would be great that'd be all right uh, thank you so much you're most welcome it was a pleasure having you over here and thank you to the audience for listening us talk about mma for over one and a half hour uh, <laughs> we we appreciate your support and you see where india is going two indians talking about mma and thousands of people are listening we are going in a good direction i'm super positive about the future let's end it over here see you next time till then bye all right vishal this is where we end it how was the whole, how was the whole experience did i take too much of your time not at all not at all it was a very